little brief note to share with you, our listeners, or YouTube viewers, as you'd prefer. The Nethercast is now up on Spotify. Um, we're in the midst of making plans currently as to what to do with The Lost, but rest assured that those should be up as well in due time. And if you've ever wanted to uh, support the channel in any way, we now have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash nethercast. And uh, we have multiple donation tiers, but the lowest starts at just $1 a month. And uh, donating at any level will get you access to some exclusive content we're going to start rolling out. The uh, the regular shows, the Nethercast, Lost and Warrior Shrine, will continue to be free on YouTube and all the other platforms we upload to. Uh, the, the exclusive shows are going to be uh, voted on by the patrons, and they're going to be exclusive for a week before they go up on YouTube. So, you know, if you just want to kick us a dollar, put a tip in the tip jar, we would appreciate it very much. And now, without further ado... Welcome back to another exciting episode of That's What You Get! I'm Shad, he's Razor, and this is the Lost Jack's Retrospective. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you. You drag me out the base with some lunatic killers after us, put me in a spitting ball, take me halfway around the world. If I'm a podcast today, at least tell me why. <laughs> oh, he's a barrel of laughs, isn't he? He's fun. We were just talking about uh, the fact that he's one of the characters that does not have a lot going on in the original timeline, as opposed to the new one. Well, I, he had things going on at a point, and then they got to, like, MK4, the 3D era, and they just, they kept using him because he, I mean, he's the token black guy. I can't, like, I wanted to bring it around him, saying that phrase. It's how he started he So, like, he's he's, like, gotta be on the roster if, you know, most of the time. But they didn't really have any ideas for him. They were kind of trying toward the end with, like, Armageddon, like, maybe him getting captured by the Tekunin, and I think MKDC kind of leaned into that, too, a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. But... Uh, it might seem that way from, a like, a, a technology perspective, just because uh, his, his ending in Versus DC was he becomes Cyborg from the Teen Titans. Yeah. They they sort of when they run out of things to do with them, they lean more towards the cybernetics. Like, let's be fair about it. Like, in in addition to starting out as kind of a token black guy, he did not have a lot going on until MK three is when he got interesting. Yeah, he, he also suffers from like a kind of a tag team disease with Sonia. That's true. Like, it's what you see with Kung Lao compared to Liu Kang, and with Smoke compared to Sub-Zero, and with Jade compared to Katana. Whenever whenever there's a, a pair of characters, somebody's somebody's got to be the Shawn Michaels, and somebody's got to be the Marty Jannetty. <laughs> they need to force themselves to, like, try games that have Jax from not Sonya or Vice Yeah, versa. see, that's, that's what was... Like, that's what kicked him off, was that Sonya wasn't in the game, so Jax was in MK2. So, like, he had the spotlight all to himself to get established. 
And that was the last time ever that one of them was in a game and the other wasn't. Literally every single game that Sonya is in, Jax is in. Every game that Jax is in, Sonya is in. With the exception of the release version of Special Forces. <laughs> Unchained. Unchained is also another one. Because they didn't oh, put yeah. Sonya back in yeah, there, Jax but they did add Jax. Unchained and Sonya isn't. That's yeah. one. Okay. I mean, it wasn't good for him. No. We'll get kind of, there. They kind of veered hard towards the end of that whole thing into like, the unpleasant, angry black guy stereotype. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But I just want to say now, before we before we do, that honestly, I don't think Unchained was worth making. I think that Deception was better vanilla. I'll take Unchained, but it's just that no one likes those ugly Goro and Shao Kahn retcons. Well, it's... So the other, the other characters that Unchained added, it's Jax, Katana... Frost and Blaze. So Katana, like Jax, has no story worth telling. Uh, Frost's story literally only exists to patch up a plot hole in Armageddon. And I think there was a better way to do it. And Blaze, again, just tells us what we already know about Armageddon. Like, they were wasted slots. If I was to make Unchained today, no Goro, no Shao Kahn, none of those four either. I would do a completely different set of characters altogether. I would do, like, Fujin, Kintaro, Kai. Ah, you're speaking my language. You know, uh, Striker. Like, guys who either haven't been seen since 4 and should have been, or guys who are kind of hinted at somewhere in Deception, but don't actually show up. Like, there's the, a weird thing with Fujin and Striker. But we're getting off topic. Jax. Yes. Any insights as to how we started out? Okay, so the original plan for when uh, when Tobias was drawing up characters for MK1, he was going to have a uh, a guy from the Special Forces, a black guy named Curtis Stryker. Ah, yes. And and as they were developing, at some point they just went, "Hey, this game is a." big sausage party. Let's add a girl. So they at least meant to have at least one black guy in at the start of the game, but didn't. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you look at uh, Enter the Dragon, obviously a big influence. Uh, you look right. at, like, Jim Kelly had a big role in that movie. I think they were thinking of something like that, because when they finally did do Jax in MK2, and obviously they came up with the name Jackson Briggs, because it does have a better ring to it, than Curtis Stryker, although they would reuse that name for another character down the line. Jax's original design in, in MK2 concept art was a, a yellow karate gi and a pair of steel gloves. And I was a fan of it. It's, it's shameful to say it, but I think I actually really loved it. It's got a flavor to it. I don't know that it matches the, the military theme that's Jax. it, right? Like he, he doesn't look like he's yeah. coming out of the special forces. Yeah, it, it definitely like it's definitely more this is if if they had kept him as the Jim Kelly guy. And and also like the Iron Fists was an interesting thing, but I guess they couldn't actually make the clanging sound effects they wanted work. So they saved it for MK3 and it became arms. 
Because that's that's why they wanted to do the the man with the iron fist thing. And this is, by the way, like a decade and a half before that movie was made. <laughs> man, why couldn't they have given Dyro the yellow gi? People have liked him more, I think. I think somebody somewhere could work that gi. Darius, actually. Darius. Yeah, you, Darius. Darius is the one who he got an orange gi with no top and and the afro, so he's very Jim Kelly in his alt costume. <laughs> But yeah, they they wanted they wanted metal uh, gloves on Jack so that they could make it go clang when he punches people. They thought that would be a cool effect, but they just didn't have the memory space for it at the time. That is so bizarre. Yeah, and you can sort of still see like the the wristbands are still there. They just uh, didn't color his hands silver, which is what they were going to do. There was an interesting thing though. I was noticing. As I was looking back through the the uh, Tobias's original MK1 comic book, and uh, there there's a scene in this comic. Uh, I'm sure most people listening have read this comic at some point. It's in the crypt for Deadly Alliance. Uh, the the scene is before Sonia and Kano are on the boat. There's like an establishing scene of like Kano's in a jeep full of black dragon goons being chased by a van full of special forces soldiers. And there's a guy in the front seat. It's the front passenger seat. Like, Tobias cleverly, like, remembered that this scene is set in China. So the driver's side is on the other side. He remembered to draw that. But the guy in the front passenger seat, they don't say his name, but he looks like Jax. And I think maybe this, this could be a thing where, like, he remembered to put Smoke and a guy who might be Sector in the jet in the MK2 comic. Like, the guy in the driver's seat is wearing sunglasses, but he might be, quote-unquote, Lieutenant Baron, who appears in the MK2 comic. <laughs> and I have to imagine, I think, um, obviously, Tobias drew up these comics and wrote them after the arcade game came out. So it might have been simultaneous that he was working on MK2, that he was drawing the MK1 comic. And, like, while he was working on MK3, he was drawing the MK2 comic. So I don't think it's too out of line to guess this guy might actually be intended to be Jax. It wouldn't surprise me. The guy's got foresight. I was looking if there's any, like, if Sonya names any of the other soldiers in the Jeep, and there's a guy named Sparky Ah, and a guy named Jake, but nobody else is named. So... (laughs) Sparky. It's a red shirt name if I ever heard one. And uh and of course everybody everybody in this scene is wearing uh skin tight green with uh those sci-fi bandoliers just like Kano's MK3 one with the big red box. And they all have uh plasma rifles. <laughs> 90s G.I. Joe fashion, man. Yeah, it's very G.I. Joe. I think it's just it's sort of interesting to see this maybe Jack's cameo because it reminds me of how he showed up for one scene in the MK1 movie. I guess it was technically two scenes. Yeah. Well, that guy really did not look like Jax. That, <laughs> that, that was some extra casting right there. That guy was not coming back for part two. Eh, he wasn't terrible. <laughs> he just, he didn't have the jaw. Yeah. I think the funny thing is if you, if you look at the credits in MK1, uh, they spell Jax with two X's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that bothered me for a little while. So Jax's story officially 
uh, begins in the MK2 comic. Uh, Sonia had radioed for help while she was on the island, much like we see in the 95 movie and in MK9, except without a helicopter showing up and getting exploded. The the thing is, like, you can't really uh, sail to Shang Tsung's island unless he wants you to, because <laughs> it's in another dimension. So, like, they can't really find Sonya, but what they do find is Johnny Cage floating on a piece of driftwood, because it's after the tournament's over and the island has self-destructed, and uh, everybody else either escaped to Outworld or died or got away on their own. I think I think Liu Kang found a boat and just sailed home. But Raiden had uh, saved Johnny Cage from falling into uh, the exploding pit and sort of left him floating in the ocean for Jax and the Special Forces to find. So the, Jax's first real scene in canon is interrogating Johnny Cage and learning through his eyes the story of MK1 and being like, well, this sounds like bullshit to me. A common and an understandable reaction. Yeah. Especially from Johnny Cage. And he thinks that wherever Sonya has disappeared to, Johnny is responsible because obviously, you know, you follow her distress signal and all you find is this guy with a weird sounding story. He must have something to do with it. But there's good old Lieutenant Baron. He shows up, literally a character named after Steve Baron, the developer, and... It's funny because this guy doesn't actually look like Steve Barron. <laughs> Isn't there also a Forden in there somewhere? Um, I'm misremembering that. I don't think so. So, so Lieutenant Barron has uh, bright blonde hair, the kind of eyeglasses that you cannot see his eyes, like in an anime. And and he has he he walks up with evidence. He's like. Jax, he's told the exact same story like five times in a row without changing any of the details. And we found all this debris in the ocean that matches like an ancient Chinese castle. <laughs> I think he might be telling the truth. Maybe, just maybe. So Jax is like, well, we don't have anything to hold him on. I'm going to take you back to Hollywood, but I'm keeping my eye on you, mister. And, and Johnny Cage in this scene is uh, drawn particularly Bruce Campbell-esque. <laughs> Dan Piscina does not have this chin. <laughs> I just, that, that amuses me, because, like, Johnny's just, kind uh, of... I'm pulling it up here myself, so I can better follow along. Yeah, Johnny's kind of talking back to him, and, like, giving him lip in a way that sort of reminds me of Bruce Campbell, too. If the man was much younger, it'd be, in, it'd be some inspired casting. And the other interesting thing about this scene is that uh, for, for anybody who hasn't read the MK2 comic, uh, so imagine Jax's costume in the game. You know, the black spandex pants with the red and white diagonal stripes down the side. There's a matching top to go with these pants. It There's is like... such a good thing that that is not in-game. It is <laughs> fucking hideous. It is an affront to all things fashionable. Yeah, like, the sleeves are, like just below the elbow in length <laughs> so that he can wear his metal wristbands with them. It's kind of an inexplicable choice in a variety of reasons. Like, And they have this giant open square collar like on Superman's costume. 
And like Lieutenant Baron is wearing like a, a matching red turtleneck under his spandex, but Jax just has his like his collarbone sticking out. <laughs> like if he had chest hair, it would be super visible in his outfit. <laughs> There's so much going on here, and none of it's good. The lowest panel, you have Jax visible from the back, and the collar is so huge you can barely tell he's wearing a shirt. <laughs> My favorite thing is there's a radiation symbol on one of the shoulders. <laughs> they look like latter-day G.I. Joe circa 1988 peg warmers you'd find on Toys R Us shelf that no one wanted to buy. It's 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 all fucking terrible. It's and they've both got like the belt pouches going on too. Jax has his in the game. Yeah, I mean, this is the, I mean, from the belt down, it's the costume he's wearing in the game. It's just, imagine a matching spandex t-shirt to go with it, with, like, the same stripes and, like, an American flag on one one side of the chest. It's a choice. <laughs> it's choice, that's for sure. So, uh, so there, there's even a little bit of story to why he doesn't have his top on in the game, because... So the next time we see Jax, later in the comic, well, first there's a little scene where he gets, like, uh, he gets a message from Sonya. He gets a little video of her and Kano in Outworld, like, calling for help. It's from this video that he realizes, oh, Outworld is real. Johnny was telling the truth. So he decides to take his unit and go back to Hollywood and talk to Johnny. And when he gets to the set, Johnny is being attacked by the Outworlders because this is how Shang Tsung invites. He shows up, beats them up and says, if you want revenge, come and get us. <laughs> That's why him and Baraka attacked the Shaolin Temple to provoke them, because otherwise there's no actual reason for the good guys to accept the challenge to MK2. And people who remember MK9 story mode as like their first introduction to the story will certainly know this that they did they did that one thing well in that game where they explained what the stakes are of MK2 that it's like normally because they'd won MK1 Earthrealm is safe for another 10 tournaments but uh Shang Tsung comes up with this plan in a hurry so that Khan won't fucking murder him <laughs> where he's like, I can trick them into agreeing to changing the rules so it's all or nothing. One tournament, we win, we get Earth, we lose, we'll never challenge Earth again. And, like, there's no real good reason for Raiden or Liu Kang to accept that challenge. Like, they could just sit at home and say, no, we're gonna stick with the ten-in-a-row thing like we've been doing. That's 500 years of guaranteed peace, fuck off. <laughs> So Shang murders all of Liu Kang's friends and family. <laughs> you make it personal. Yeah. And then he goes for Johnny, because Johnny's the only other person from MK1 who uh, survived and made it home. Like, if you go down the list, uh, Kano's trapped in Outworld. Uh, Raiden, you can't really attack like this. <laughs> Sub-Zero is dead. Uh, Scorpion is dead. Also. Sonya's in Outworld. Everybody else is a bad guy. <laughs> it's just Lou and Johnny who got home. And uh, Cage is filming a commercial directed by one E. Boone for Cage Cologne. Yeah, they... 
there's a guy with a ponytail standing next to this uh, drawn Ed Boon in the comic, and that's somebody familiar. Which scene are we talking about here? The the shot of Ed Boon directing the commercial. There's a guy standing next to him with a ponytail who looks like a developer too, but I can't remember which one. Was it Tony Gosky? Gosky, that's the one I'm thinking of. And this is uh, Tobias working the camera. <laughs> I recognize his little mustache. <laughs> so who's holding the boom mic? It's probably Dan. Yeah, that's yeah, Dan. Yeah, I think that's Dan Forden. <laughs> it would be. Same hairline. <laughs> so yeah, Johnny's filming commercial when uh, Shang Tsung, Kitana, Melina, Baraka, and Kentaro show up to just pick a fight and then go, hey, you want revenge? Come and get us at the new tournament. <laughs> and, uh, Jackson and meanwhile, are, like, out in the lobby. Yeah, they're, like, trying to get a secretary to let them on set. <laughs> and <laughs> and Jax is like, look, lady, we don't need warrants. We're the special forces. We're trying to be nice about this. <laughs> This secretary looks vaguely like Janine from Ghostbusters to me. Okay, I'm not alone here. It's the <laughs> earrings. The gigantic triangles. Yeah, she has she has the hairstyle and the triangle earrings. <laughs> well, he was drawing Ghostbusters at the same time, so... That's true. Yeah, I don't, a lot of people probably don't know this. John Tobias got his start as the artist of the real Ghostbusters comic books. So there's a little fun fact for you. Which is uh, interesting to me personally, because uh, I've mentioned this on the Discord once or twice, but like, you might assume Mortal Kombat is my favorite thing in the world, like my favorite fictional IP, because I know so much about it. Not true. It's actually my second favorite. The Ghostbusters is my favorite. <laughs> All right, so Jack's here. Yeah, so so Jax is trying to get the secretary to let him in, and all of a sudden, uh, Johnny goes flying through the wall. <laughs> this is like right after the secretary's like, oh, I'll see what I can do. Good job, lady. <laughs> Lieutenant Baron's like, wow, he does do his own stunts. Wah, wah, wow. Uh, so, so Shang Tsung comes through the wall and shoots a flaming skull at Jax and burns his shirt off. And that is why he's shirtless in MK2, the game. <laughs> the fucking thing sends him careening like six feet. And he does it with one hand, too. There's a neat bit of lore in this moment where one of the narration boxes says that uh, flaming skulls are the life force of an extinguished soul. So whenever he throws skulls, he's just getting rid of stolen souls he doesn't want anymore. He's literally using people as projectiles. <laughs> He's like, I'm done with you. Get out of me. Stop taking up space, freeloader. <laughs> so while Johnny and Baraka start going at it, Jax gets up and he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm going after the big guy. Instantly yeah. starts charging Kintaro. He picks a fight with Kintaro. <laughs> like, not phased at all that the guy has four arms and looks like a thundercat. <laughs> Just fuck it right at him. Just that guy. That one's mine. <laughs> Knocks and, uh, the wall into the parking lot. Yeah, they punch their way through the walls until they're outdoors. And uh, a jet lands, a Lin Kuei jet. And so they join the fight. And then Reptile shows up to protect Shang from Sub-Zero. 
And then Scorpion shows up to protect Sub-Zero from Reptile. <laughs> and then Raiden shows up to go, stop fucking fighting, what are you doing? <laughs> Meanwhile, Melina off in a corner ate Baran. Yeah, while, uh, while Jax was busy, Johnny just comes out of that wall that Jax punched Kentaro through holding Lieutenant Baron's hat. I and found he's like, this next to uh, a pile of bones. <laughs> sorry, your buddy's dead. Alright, I'm in it now. I'm competing. Yeah. That's it. This is why Jax competes. To find Sonya and avenge the fact that Melina ate his friend. <laughs> so yeah, so once Raiden shows up and, like, demands that Outworld get the fuck off his lawn, uh, Shang is like, hey, we only showed up to invite you to another tournament. And, and Liu Kang is like, oh, really? That's convenient, because I want a piece of your ass. <laughs> and Raiden's like, that's not such a good idea, but I guess it's too late to say no now. <laughs> anyway, that's that's how they all got invited to the Mortal Kombat 2 tournament. And uh, so, the most interesting thing to me about Jax's appearance in this comic is his brawl with Kintaro. I feel helps establish why he goes for the metal arms in MK3. Because he probably, because, from the outset, had a feeling that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, like, it is It is established in 3 that the reason Jax gets the arms is because he feels he's not strong enough to defeat Outworlders, which suggests that he has recently lost a fight to an Outworlder. And if he's, you know, picking a fight with the biggest guy there, Kentaro... That should be the guy he lost to. Logically, yeah. He's also thought to be, according to his bio, the strongest man alive. Yes, that is an established thing from the official lore. That's not from, like, a strategy guide or the cartoon or something. He is, in Tobias canon, the strongest man in the world. When the strongest man in the world doesn't think that he has what it takes to do things unaided, you start wondering if there's something to those, uh, self-confidence problems that Annihilation tried to voice on yeah. us. There are dynamics at work here to, to having a title like that. Like, how, how do you figure that out? Well, in the real world, there is a, a competition called the World's Strongest Man. And Jax is uh, often depicted in ancillary sources like the Malibu comics. He's often shown to be like a, a gym rat, a fan of working out. So I imagine that this is like his hobby in his spare time with the military is he just he likes to hit the gym and get buff and win a world's strongest man competition once in a while. Gotta have a hobby. And there's a lot of people, especially because of the new timeline games uh, where Jax literally has his arms ripped off and the the bionic arms are implants. Uh, to replace the ones that were ripped off. A lot of people don't know that in the original timeline, the bionic arms were sleeves. His real arms were still there. He could take these things on and off. So it was never about him getting injured and having to, like, replace his arms. It was about feeling inadequate. And, you know, Defenders of the Realm... Uh, did that angle, and the movie Annihilation did that angle, and those two sources are not considered reliable, also kind of childish and cartoony, obviously. 
So I think a lot of people will look at that and assume that that can't be the actual story, but it was. And obviously, like both both of those things, the cartoon and the movie, made the story out to be that uh, he needs to learn that he can fight just as good, if not better, without them. That it, you know, it's about building confidence and believing in yourself and not needing a crutch. Whereas in the actual games, no, he is better with the bionics. <laughs> I do confess, though, I, I was kind of hoped for the day when he'd lose them and just go back to having the regular arms. I mean, I certainly think there's room in a story, like in a story mode in a game, you could do a cutscene assuming you haven't ripped off his real arms <laughs> you could do a cutscene where the he's fighting somebody and they tear the bionics off him and he has to like suck it up and believe in himself and win the fight anyway like in the movie but presumably better written <laughs> one would hope i think there's that would be perfectly fine it doesn't necessarily mean that he should go without them from then on that he they're still useful <laughs> i wouldn't deprive him of them completely i think there is room for primary and alternate costumes where you know some of them have arms that are metal and some of them don't yeah and especially like the silliest thing to me is that 9x and 11 all three games there's meat and bone in the X-ray. <laughs> oh, God. They can it's, put it's an wires inside the Cyber Ninjas in 9. They can put the Terminator endoskeleton inside Arnold. And they can't get Jax's arms to X-ray right. Why not just it's put meat arms in the story, then? <laughs> it's canonically accurate to the way things used to be. Yay! The man... The man died and came back, and that excuse was used to turn Sub-Zero from a cyborg back to a human. Why can't Jax have his fucking arms back? <laughs> don't ask me, man. I don't know. At some point, like, the image overtakes the fat, and this is kind of one of the reasons I always kind of wanted him to visibly strip off the implant at some point, because when you have metal on your arms through 20 plus years of media that becomes just the way that people begin to see the character yeah Jax's identity is the guy with the metal yeah. arms so people just assume that they're fully cybernetic and always did assume that and it's you know that's in spite of he has an alt costume in Deadly Alliance which uh, everything else okay, about that uh... costume notwithstanding <laughs> We're gonna get to did that, have but... flesh arms, and you know uh, that was actually like a point of contention when Special Forces came out. People asked if this is a prequel to MK One, how can Jax have the arms? And Tobias had to explain those are sleeves and these are prototypes. So like they have, you know, they have in canon tried to demonstrate in the past that he still has regular arms under there, and those things come off, but it just never stuck. And also, like, I guess, you know, for shock value and high drama, a guy getting his arms ripped off. Well, MK9 was all about the shock value. Yeah, yeah, that was... 
honestly, the entire NRS era trades heavily on like trying to work the gore and fatalities into the story modes. And that's part of it. That's probably symptomatic of so many years of people going, nobody ever dies in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but they haven't actually fixed it. Nobody ever stays dead, and that's still true. Well, sometimes they do, but they're still selectable. <laughs> I think NRS has not yet discovered the convenience of DLC not having to be canon. That you could kill characters in the story and still have them playable, but, you know, not as revenants. Just leave them dead. Just let them be playable. <laughs> Guilty Gear was doing it with Cliff Underson since, like, X2. That guy like, died in really 1998. Want... He was still in games up to, like, 2008. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Honestly, like, if you want to bring Quan Chi back, because you really like Quan Chi... But you don't want to, like, undermine Scorpion Heaven got his revenge and stuff? And, like, just just put Quan Chi on the roster, but don't put him in story mode. Treat him the same way you treat the guest characters. That's what's so hard about. Your audience can't figure this stuff out sometimes. <laughs> so, in MK2, he succeeds in freeing Sonya, but also frees Kano, because for some fucking reason, their mechanisms... Are so my theory together. is that my theory is that he intentionally freed Kano with the intention of putting him in cuffs and bringing him back to Earth Realm. Kano just slipped out of the cuffs. They get that uh, screen in the MK3's attract mode, where he's visibly trying to do a gotcha grab as the guy's running away. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, they just reused the sprite. I have never not been able to look at that picture and not think of like Yakety Sax, by the way. The weird thing about that uh, screen from the demo mode, to me, was always that... So first of all, Kano's already wearing his MK3 clothes. And, in fact, they're all wearing their new outfits. It's an oversight. The second thing is that Kano is running towards a portal to Outworld. So, so Jax took Kano into custody in Outworld... And he broke free and ran through a portal to Outworld. <laughs> or, he broke him out in Outworld, took him into custody, brought him back through the portal into Earthrealm, and they're in Earthrealm then. Kano escapes and goes, I'm going back, and runs back into Outworld. Blah. I mean, it's, it's possible. It just seems weird. <laughs> it's very silly, I know. So anyway, as, as far as character goes, basically, MK2 establishes Jax as A, Sonya's uh, commanding officer, there to rescue her, and B, a gym rat, a, a workout buff. And that's, that's the two things we know about him at this point. And that's certainly reflected in his fighting style. You know, he's a grappler character. He has professional wrestling moves. You know, he, he always did a backbreaker, and he always, like, gorilla press slammed people around. The other thing about Jax, though, is that before the Metal Arms, he had the, the ground pound earthquake, purple sonic boom type arm wave thing. I don't even know what to call that. I guess sonic boom is a fine name for it. It's called the sonic wave, because it looks like That's a wave. Fair. He swings his arm so hard that it shoots some kind of energy out. 
And you know, the the early games never really bothered to explain where anybody's special moves came from. It was just assumed that well, people in Street Fighter have kung fu magic, so our guys have kung fu magic. Jax's case, since it's also purple, like Sonya's, I'm willing to think it's also tech-based chi. So uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like in in the modern games, starting with X. Technically, it started in Armageddon. Animation-wise, she would punch buttons on her wrist before shooting. But they didn't actually put a gadget on her wristbands until X. So Sonya has been doing the tech-based rings for a while. Jax, though, I feel like because, because he is the world's strongest man, there's like an argument you could make that his dedication to his training is equal to that of a guy like Liu Kang, you know, who who learned yeah, magic by being really, really intense with Kung Fu. Like, that's, you know, that's what Chi is. It's a, it's a talent that everybody theoretically has that you unlock by being incredibly uh, dedicated and living a ascetic lifestyle. And I think, you know, you could certainly make the argument that Jax is so uh, so dedicated to his workout regimen that he could have these powers. But I wonder if he had them before he got to Outworld or discovered them during the tournament with, like, Raiden's guidance. Because story-wise, story-wise, obviously, Sonya was created to fill an archetypal role in the hero's journey. Tobias intended her to be, quote-unquote, the skeptic. And we see that in the 95 movie, where her and Johnny are the ones who have no idea about this world of magic and monsters and have to have it introduced to them and don't believe it first. If, if Sonya doesn't believe in any of this stuff, Jax shouldn't believe in it either at first. So it does raise questions about, well, then how does he have powers? How does that make sense? For my money, I prefer to think of it as tech-based. I mean, he certainly had some weird thingies on his elbows in MK9. He's got to be holding something in those belt pouches. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I would, I like the idea of seeing him get to Outworld and, you know, they're getting ready for the tournament and Raiden's like, yo, let me show you something. <laughs> It's you know, because because these nice. are these are the chosen ones for a reason. You know, like these guys have this potential that Raiden sees in them to be like just as good as all these magical warriors they have to fight against. There's no doubt to me that yes, he's got the potential to do so. But Striker just straight up uses a gun and, and grenades. Well, it's I always insane. felt like Striker resisted the call that he was always like. Raiden was like, you have this hidden potential, and Stryker's like, you're full of shit, buddy. Because that's so Stryker's personality. Like, even in his bio for Armageddon, they said that he still doesn't understand why he was part of MK3. Like, he never figured it out. I do feel like that's the stuff that you're made of, but the stuff that you're made of doesn't necessarily enable you to shoot fire out of your hands or freeze stuff or, you know. I don't know. I just, I just think that in my head, the MK universe kind of works a little similar to Dragon Ball. Like, you remember Gohan showing Videl how to fly and shit like that? I like Dragon Ball of its own means, but 
those are two things I would not want to put anywhere near. I mean, I'm just saying in terms of like, because they both use the concept of qi, and qi is a a real belief in Chinese mysticism. You it know, is, but like, but Dragon Ball is kind of a huge bastardization of it, which makes it into laser blasts. <laughs> well, certainly, like, I'm not saying that. It's literally Dragon Ball. I'm just comparing the two in terms of like the idea that a human could learn to do these kinds of cheap powers with the right training. I can buy that. I just don't think that everyone needs to be able to in order to be a chosen one. No, and I think there's another thing about the lore of Mortal Kombat where it's like it's literally established that the more you rely on technology the more your powers are uh, unaccessible to you because they come from the soul. And so, like, if you become a cyber ninja, your soul is so uh, suppressed to the point where in MK3, like, Sector and Cyrax and Smoke supposedly don't have souls. They do, but they can't be stolen because it's almost like they don't have them. Well, we'll get there. Yeah, so the more technology there is attached to you doing special moves for you, the less you can do uh, spiritual special moves. I just figured that the wave was like Sonya work because it was purple. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's blue that's... in... Uh, well, that's the Bionics in MK3, but yeah. So going into MK3, uh, there is a sort of... I would say not very well established. It's there, but people seem to miss it. Uh, story detail of everybody knew at the end of MK2 that Shao Kahn Shao what Shao Kahn was going to invade anyway. So when they all got home from the tournament, they started preparing, and in some cases, they didn't have enough time for their preparations. Like, Kung Lao was like, yo, let's call up the White Lotus Society, get everybody together before he comes. And they just didn't have the chance. Uh, in Sonya and Jax's case, they go to their superiors in the army, and they try to tell them about Outworld, and they're laughed out of the room. And they both go, fine, I guess it's just us. And they go do their own secret preparations. Like... Sonya presumably trains with Liu Kang because in MK3 she suddenly has a bicycle kick. <laughs> well, would assume, yeah. Yeah, whereas Jax hooks himself up with the bionic arms. And the interesting thing here is, as far as I am aware, Jax invented those arms. Like, so he is a major in the army. He's a workout nut. And he's a cybernetic engineer. <laughs> he's a man of many skills. And this is this is reinforced at the end of the game, too, where it says after Shao Kahn is defeated and Sonya and Jax found the Outer World Investigation Agency, Jax leads the department that invents techno portals. So, yeah, Jax is totally an engineer. <laughs> he's like the science guy. And we see that in MK9, too, where... Well, MK4 and MK9, where he's the guy who knows how to deprogram cyber ninjas. With magic space rays. <laughs> they have a room for that kind of thing. I just, I just like the idea that, like... So Jax has all these traits. 
And then they don't really do anything with them. Like, that's the problem. We were talking about at the beginning of this episode that they run out of things for Jax to do in the 3D era. And he's just kind of there, and he has way more story in the NRS games. But Jax has all these traits, all these avenues that you could pick up on and do something with that they just don't. Too often, they just kind of forget that he has any trait other than talking smack. Now, he probably does invent the bionic implants himself, but the special forces themselves probably have, like, a wide variety of scientists and technicians and whatnot working for them so that they can build these labs and set up this technology. I don't think it's all Jax's brainchild. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Like, they do have, like, a whole department, and th- that is explored more in, like, adaptations. Uh, for example, in Malibu, there was other members of the special forces who had bionics first. There was a oh, guy God. who had one arm that was teched out. I'm gonna have to go and fucking read those comics, aren't I? <laughs> in, um, in Legacy, uh, for all the flaws of that show, I actually, there's, there's one idea they had that I really like and basically included in my head canon. So the idea is that Kano's cybernetics, the Black Dragon stole them from the Department of Defense. And then the ones that he wasn't using, like his own eye, he sold to the Lin Kuei to make the cyber ninjas out of. And when Jax got his arms injured, that the Department of Defense cybernetics were the ones they used to make his bionic arms. So it's all from the same source. Yeah, more than likely. It's best they specified that in the game. It's yeah. a logical conclusion to, to arrive to that they just never got around to. Yeah, I just I I wish that were that were somewhere explicitly stated in a game because I really like the idea of it that it's all all the all the cybernetics in the MK universe uh, are tied together somehow because it it really makes sense. Like the Black Dragon stole this stuff from the army, so that's where Jax got it from the army. Black Dragons then sold it to the Lin Kuei, so there's a connection between the Black Dragons and the Lin Kuei too. You can use in stories. They gave them tech. They gave them a ninja. Yeah, that's how Tremor joined the Black Dragon. He was he's on loan from the Lin Kuei. They're like, we'll do this for you, but you got to loan me an an assassin. <laughs> that actually does work. I like it. I like it. So anyway, yeah, like so, Jax gets the arms, but he doesn't really do anything in mk3 does he <laughs> not that we really know of because because sonia gets her revenge on kano and like Jax has never really had like a, a a personal villain at least at this point in the story um tremor and sue how were both created to be uh Jax villains because sonia has her own so why shouldn't Jax have his own but at this point, Sonya's getting all the stuff, and Jax is, continues to be the tag-along, the, the Kung Lao to her Liu Kang. Well, he might not be important in MK3. We don't know who he fought, if anyone. Yeah. But his ending, the second half of it, is one of the most important things going forward into the series that came out of MK3. That's true. That's true. And get like, he... Him and Sonya create... Uh, this agency, the Outer World Investigation Agency, which is separate from the U.S. military. Like, they they leave the army 
to form this like magic CIA kind of thing. Like their job is to like spy on Outworld and make sure there's not going to be another invasion and stuff like that. And it's interesting because you look into the lore of Deadly Alliance and it says as soon as they formed the agency, they invited Suhao and Kenshi to join, which implies that they know Suhao and Kenshi already during MK3. I mean, obviously they knew Suhao because Suhao's backstory is that before MK1, he's been working with the special forces to hunt down black dragons. They think he's from the Chinese military. He's really an undercover red dragon. So they have known Suhao that long, but they've apparently known Kenshi since MK3. So, like, Kenshi was there during the invasion. Possible. They then invite uh, Cyrax to join, too. But there's there's a timeline issue there where it's like, did they pick him up from the desert at the end of MK3? Or did they pick him up during MK4? Because in MK4, it says the Lin Kuei found Cyrax in the desert. And then the special forces uh, rescued him from the Lin Kuei cyber initiative. Yeah, but then Deadly Alliance goes back on that, and it's like, no, the Lin Kuei never found him. It was all of them. Yeah, they just they just simplified it. They cut out that middle part because nothing really happens in that middle part, and they just went. The special forces grabbed him out of the desert. That's an instance where I'm okay with the retcon because it doesn't remove anything really important. It just streamlines things a little bit. You would otherwise have to get him back into the hands of special forces for his ending in gold. And the thing is, like, you can keep Sector's part of the MK4 story where he's hunting for Cyrax and trying to get him back from the Special Forces, and he just doesn't succeed. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm okay with it. And again, this reinforces Jax as the tech guy. So he did technically have something to do during MK4. Whereas, like, MK4 is a little weird in the Sonya and Jax story part of it, because... So at the start of the story, Sonya is hunting Jarek, the last black dragon who's running free. Like, she thinks she's killed Kano. All the other members are either dead or in jail. Jarek is the last one. And Sonya's doing this mission. And apparently she's doing it for the special forces. Like, she's a member of both groups at the same time, the, the SF and the OIA. I always kind of thought that they left the special forces because... Sonia stops getting promotions in canon. She never advanced past lieutenant, except for a non-canon Deadly Alliance ending. Whereas in the new timeline, there is no OIA. She just, the special forces continue to become bigger and more important. And so she advances in rank to like sergeant and colonel in general. I'm not actually entirely certain that in the original timeline, they ever left the special forces. I, I feel the like it was like established as an offshoot branch of the SF. I feel like they probably didn't leave it. It's just it would make more sense to me if they had because the fact that Sonya wasn't getting promotions is a little weird to me considering that she helped save the world multiple times and also the series is like 11 years long in the old timeline. Some people don't <laughs> want that promotion. You have to accept yeah, but Lieutenant is literally the bottom rank, isn't it? Maybe she just likes being out there on missions. Jax is probably more used to desk work, but I can see Sonya wanting to be out there where the action is. Well, the thing is, Major isn't even that high either. It's like in the middle. 
Like I'd have I'd have to I'd have to wiki that. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that Lieutenant is fairly low on the totem pole as uh, commissioned oh, officer ranks go. Anyway, yeah, so so Sonia was chasing Jarek and then gets uh contacted by Raiden, I guess, to join the heroes and fight Shinnok. And Jax was there too, except in their endings, Sonia and Jarek are off on their own again, and Jax is somewhere else, and that's how Jarek is able to drop her off the cliff and Jax gets there late. Or something. He's like, he he's just off camera, whatever. He's homing in on them when all this shit happens. He's like twenty feet away, but they're talking on radio to each other. <laughs> the mist was really heavy that day. Who knows? Maybe he was overhead in the helicopter. I don't know. I just I just remember some weird stuff about their bios implying that Sonia and Jax joined the fight at separate times and weren't together during MK4, which doesn't make sense. Like, why was Jax not part of the Jarek hunting mission? Was Sonya just sort of chasing a vendetta and it wasn't important to him? That seems likely. That's probably it. I don't know. I, I remember it being confusing to me when I was younger. Those MK4 bows weren't written very... No, that's... A, like, MK4 is the most underwritten game in the series except for Special Forces. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jax's MK4 bio, looking at it now, says that Sonya disappears while tracking down Jarek. That's it. Sonya disappears? What? <laughs> when Sonya disappears while tracking the last living member of the Black Dragon down, then Major Jackson Briggs heads after her. Okay, so, so it like, sounds like Jax Sonya got picked up by Raiden. Yeah. And Raiden didn't tell Jax? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The fuck? <laughs> Anyhow, whatever he does or doesn't do in MK4, which is not much of anything at all, he does drop Jarek off a cliff. Going somewhere, Jarek? Jax! I thought you were going to- Thought I was what? Dead? Like my heart being just tossed off the cliff? I'm- I'm sorry, Jax. Please, don't drop me. Wait, I, I promise. Too late, Jarek. You can't drop me. You have to uphold the law. You have to arrest me. Wait, wait, this is brutality. You can't do it. Wrong, Jarek. This is not a brutality. This is a fatality. Yeah. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, the, the dropping him off a cliff part of that ending is canon. But the reason he dropped him off the cliff, that, that Sonya just died, that part didn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to assume that it all happened, but she grabbed onto the wall on the way down, and she's fine. Okay, so, so the actual, so the way that ending plays out in canon, then, is uh, Sonya has her back to the cliff. Jarek runs at her, she sidesteps, and he flies off. Sonya's like, well, I guess he's dead, and starts to walk away. Jarek had grabbed the cliff, got her by the ankle, and yanked her off. Climbed back up. Jax grabs him and throws him off. So so Jarek fell off the cliff but grabbed the side and came back. And Sonya fell off, grabbed the side, and came back. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it went. Shush. Okay, this is... This needs to have Jackity <laughs> Sax playing over it. 
Mortal Kombat's silly, man. This is <laughs> this is a truth I accepted a long time ago. I don't know. It's just if you don't explain how Sonya survived, Jax just looks cruel. Like he doesn't even have a vendetta against Jarek. You can't just drop people off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't do that. That's brutality. <laughs> There was something I was going to say, but before I continue, I was looking back at that uh, yellow gi concept art again. Yeah. There's actually another design, too, of of Jax as, like, a Mai Tai kickboxer. I'm not sure I've like, seen that. It's, it's in the same, the same magazine shot. It also we forgot to mention. What's that? Among Jax's uh, multiple hobbies. Tinkerer. Soldier, sailor, spy, <laughs> farmer. We forgot to mention that. Ah, yes, the it's, farming. It's a more recent development, but it's just something. I think that guy's a workaholic, you know? He doesn't stop. It kind of connects to the engineering because when we first see him on the farm in MKX, he's repairing a tractor. Yeah. I always found it kind of weird, though, because. Well, for starters, I have questions about how Cassie and Jackie could grow up best friends when one of them lives in the country and the other lives in Malibu, California. Like, where is Jax's farm? <laughs> does, does, does California have farms? I Maybe, but do you imagine Jax's grandparents being from California? Like, is that... Not really. Like, it seems like more of a Middle America kind of thing, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, see... So I always kind of got the idea that Jax was from a city. Like, in the MK4 uh, strategy guide, it says he's from Brooklyn. And I don't, you know, want to take a strategy guide too seriously, but that's also the same guide that said for the first time, Fujin and Raiden are brothers, and Kai is from Detroit. And these are... One of these details we know to be true, and the other is just... We know Kai is from America, and he definitely has an alternate where he's wearing jeans and a leather jacket. I kind of like the idea of him being from Detroit. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so here's that concept art of Jax. He's got boxing shorts. Okay, right, this. Yes. Yeah, he's got, like, Jax on his belt, like, where it would say Everlast or whatever. Like, you would expect it to say Cage on a Johnny Cage costume. And he's got a uh, wrapped tape and wrists and a headband and it's it's all yellow and black he's basically joe higashi without the crazy hair yeah that's about right <laughs> so that was a that was the design they were considering for mk2 honestly i feel like you could take a lot of these old school designs and just slap new people onto them and they would work really well as modern characters yeah. Speaking of uh, boxing and uh, Jax's athletic background, there are uh, pictures on the wall uh, in the farm in MK11. Like, there's a bunch of pictures of him and Jackie in, like, dress uniform at various, like, events and stuff like that. One of the pictures, though, is Jax with boxing gloves, like he used to compete. And I think there's a picture of Jackie boxing gloves, like she followed in his footsteps in that way, too. You know... There's a very simple explanation as to how they could grow up together and live so very far apart. Portals! <laughs>
I'll roll investigation into innocent access to them. Go wherever you want to go. You know, I wonder how much, like, life on Earth is, like, weird and sci-fi post, like, MK4 or MK9, you know? They never show that stuff. Guaranteed. It's, it's all, like, stuff the military still has access to and doesn't want to show the public. Okay, so, so... A weird alternate dimension with sorcerers and centaurs attacked New York City. And everybody knows it. Yes. And then a couple years later, the devil opened a portal from hell to earth <laughs> and let loose the night of the living dead. These things happen in both timelines. <laughs> and the world knows. What oh is society like? Like, what is religion in the MK universe? They're never going to explain it as much as we would love them to. Yeah, shit's gotta be weird. <laughs> I've always maintained that, like, they need to just throw the towel in and do a preacher character who actually turns out to be Jesus. Like, they don't say it's Jesus, but the implications are clearly there. I'm not saying it was Jesus. But... <laughs> it was Jesus. Like, he he was at the first Earth tournament <laughs> 2,000 years ago. <sighs> Lost in the preliminaries. Didn't want to fight. <laughs> Registered to make a point. It I've turns out there's years. not many battle applications for walking on water. <laughs> yeah, I think that's variation specific. <laughs> Alright, so uh, another point about Jax we haven't mentioned so far. Facial hair or no facial hair? There is so, no continuity between those two. That's true. There is a, a frequent problem with MK2 and 3 art versus sprite uh that continues on in when they recreate the costumes for x and 11 john Parrish clearly had a mustache but tobias didn't draw jacks with a mustache it's kind of the same thing as like kano's hair in mk1 where rich divisio clearly had his head shaved but but tobias drew kano with a hairline personally i think jacks looks fucking weird without a mustache or goatee I'm more used to the goatee these days than I am seeing him unshaved. Like, in 11, the retro just straight up looked a little bit wrong to me. And I'm like, wait, no. This is original art accurate. What am I talking about? See, that's the thing. Like, in 11, Jax once again doesn't have the mustache. And it, it kind of works with that particular uh, face-scanned actor, whoever it was that they used. But I still prefer him with a mustache, <laughs> at least. In the games, it's a goatee in four. And then in the 3D era, he's clean-shaven, and it looks super weird. Yeah. Like, Until DC, like, where he gets the goatee back. In Deadly Alliance, there is something wrong with the face they modeled for Jax. He looks like a Sharpay dog. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. It's... I, I don't know if they were trying to, like, make him look older, because it's... Like, Deadly Alliance is 10 years later, so he's kind of, like, about 50 or so. But it's not working for me, man. <laughs> it's odd in 9. Like, the Versus Render has a tiny mustache. I think in 9 what they did was they gave him a goatee in the alt costume, like the MK2 costume where he's got these braces on his elbows and gloves. Right, yeah. And then when he gets the metal arms, like the MK3-style costume, I think he's got a mustache instead of a goatee, like he shaved off screen. I'm just looking at the MK Warehouse page, and like, the little icon that you see when like you go up the towers and shit, that doesn't have facial hair. 
<laughs> He's not facial hair on the select screen, not the versus render. It's kind of like Smoke's hair, isn't it? Where it's different every shot. Yeah. <laughs> also, his ears are way bigger on the versus render than anywhere else. Oh, those it's versus odd. renders have problems. Like, you ever look at them in full resolution and, like, some of those guys, like Kung Lao especially, has horrible acne scars? Like, they're they're pockmarked. It's gross. He looks like a like a 40-year-old man who had really bad acne as a kid. His skin is just fucked. <laughs> oh, Christ, ew. Yeah, I've always hated the MK9 versus pictures. I... <laughs> He's also got weird little creepy spindly Spider-Man fingers. Yeah, every, yeah, the anatomy is so bad in that game. <laughs> so anyway... So we talked about how in uh, in three and four, Jax tended to uh, do nothing during story except be tech support for somebody, while Sonya got all the juicy like manhunts and vendettas. And it's interesting that we talk about him not having anything to do in the 3D era because in Deadly Alliance, it's actually the other way around. Yeah, he he was pretty involved there, but that would be the last time in the original series. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's I guess it's easy to forget because unfortunately, uh Jax's moves, like his whole character identity is not in the 3D era. Like it was a change that affected a lot of the cast for the most part. It affected Jax the worst, I think. If I was to like put my foot down and say, "Yo, who had the worst moves out of any returning character in Deadly Alliance?" Easily Jax. You know, Raiden lost the tackle, but at least he still shot lightning, you know? Jax didn't have the multi-throw, the gotcha grab. Uh, he didn't have any kind of projectile. Nope. He, ha he had the ground The only thing he kept was the ground pound. So Jax has the most moves in MK2 by, like, double. <laughs> this all sucks, because, like, one of the reasons I enjoy playing Jax so much in the older games is because he is satisfying to knock people around with, possibly more than anyone yeah. else. Yeah, he has, he has like six special moves, and they're all pro wrestling grabs, and it's fucking great. The impact is there. But in Deadly Alliance, he has the ground pound, and then he only has two other moves. He has the, that weird, like, piston punch, Which still and he has a machine gun. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh god! <laughs> what that started? <sighs> so I think the time has come where we talk about the worst fucking outfit anyone ever had. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We we got to talk about the outfit before we can move on to story because I just want to get out it of the way. Stands out <laughs> and not in a good way because it's symbolic of a problem. That he's the token. That he, they stereotype him a lot. I felt they were pretty good about not doing that up until this. Yeah. I mean, he, he was always like, he had the trash talk as a character trait. But even despite that, you still, like, you get the idea that, okay, Sonya's the hothead. That's why she has the manhunts and vendettas. Jax is like, he's, you know, in control because he's the commanding officer and he's got the wisdom of years. So he just like, oh, Sonya's in trouble. I guess I'll bail her out again. And he's like, maybe stop like spending your life chasing these people. <laughs> this though, I think that this is 
this and like the unchained uh direction yeah so and... well before all that like obviously if you're going to talk about Jax as a stereotype you have to mention annihilation we'll get more in depth when we talk about adaptations but you just want to put it out there that in when did that movie come out 97 it was 97 yes that's that's a big old picture of Jax as the guy who talks jive and says things like, hoo, 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 yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. That was Jax in that movie. Yeah. I don't even know where I am. I need to use the restroom. I ain't got no toilet tissue. I got metal things on my hands. Sonya Blade. <laughs> and who the hell is Johnny? <laughs> of course, it's actually more like we can't decide whether we like it or we hate it. Because it was memorable. It is. It's certainly memorable. <laughs> I don't mind so I just, a little I bit of trash wanna, talk coming out of the guy's mouth. I just want to establish that the image was in people's minds. Yeah. Sometimes Jax is science man. Sometimes Jax is stereotype man. So when we get to Deadly Alliance, and he has an alternate costume where he's wearing Flava Flav-sized bling and a backwards hat. Puffy vest. Like, he's literally trying out for a spot on Run DMC. <laughs> I don't know if the vest is puffy or that's just the art style. I think it's intended to be a puffy vest. <laughs> the gloves are gigantic. Oh yeah, he has he has big ol' MMA gloves. And again, this is this is the costume where he doesn't have his metal arms on. Like, you can see his flesh arms. Now, do you remember why Flava Flav wore the clock around his neck? I do not. <laughs> well, it was so that people would always know what time it was. Which begs the question, does Jax wear the dragon so that fools always know it's combat time? Ah. ah. I get it. <laughs> I'm sorry I gave it to you. No, it's... I think you make an important point. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so so this outfit happened. (laughs) And I'm also going to go on record here and say I don't particularly care for the mainline 3D era look either. No, like like the red beret and the shades. It makes them look like. I want to I want to talk about the red beret because in the real world, the nickname of the U.S. Army Special Forces is the Green Berets. You know what military wears red berets? Shoot. England's. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Christ, that's true. Fucking Cammy wears one. Yeah, yeah, because she's in the fucking English military. (laughs) She's British, so she has a red beret. Jax should have a green beret. (sighs) To their credit, Sonya has a green beret in versus DC and several games after. They never got it red again. They never screwed that one up again. But yes, this Jax costume is the worst he's ever had. Both it of the ones just, in the game are the worst he's ever had. It is just so busy. The arms look like there's something that Dr. Light would have left in a scrap pile. The arms are are way too big and bulky. And I remember, I remember the developers talked about how they wanted they changed his arms because they wanted them to look more advanced. These look less advanced to me. 
They look like they belong in the first season of Beast Wars. <laughs> you look at those MK3 arms, and to have that, like, the skin-tight, segmented Winter Soldier look? It's sleek. Yeah. That's... The, the level of technology to be that small and flexible has to be incredible. So bigger, bulkier arms look less high-tech. I also kind of hate the way his fingers just kind of peek out from under the finger guards. It's oh yeah, awful. like he's got he's got the metal version of like MMA gloves. <laughs> There's like this big bulky section over his knuckles. And it looks like it's it's silver and shiny, but it looks more like padding than a metal sheet. It just looks like he's just got these giant hunks of metal and crap that are going down from his shoulders over his knuckles and it's i i yeah and i hate it the more i look at it Ugh. and the rest of the design is honestly just kind of bland like okay so he shaved off the facial hair it also looks like he shaved his head under the beret like he has no hair at all you know he's got these weird uh snow goggles like he's going skiing uh he's got he's got just a plain old bullet bandolier and plain green camo pants and army boots. That's that's the outfit. There's no, like, fancy stripes. There's not, like, a vest. It's just kind of there. It's, like, the most bland military character you've ever seen. Like, granted, the MK2 through 4 looks were just various takes on black and red or purple spandex. Like, but, the colored stripes at least stood out. Yeah, like that's the point I'm making. Yeah. They should and have like, continued the theme, but they just gave him these big, gaudy, bulky military pants with huge... Ugh. And you know, like, you look at Tekken and Brian Fury wears just camo pants and nothing else, but he also has, like, silver hair and a bunch of weird scars, you know? There's at least some visual interest. So there's there's concept art from the very beginning of Deadly Alliance uh, production of Scorp fighting Jax in Shang Tsung's uh, the backyard stage with the acid Buddhas. The acid bath. Yeah. And he's basically just MK3 Jax there. Yeah, he's wearing he's wearing the purple pants and he's got kind of like a fancy... He's got a vest with a bunch of, like, Chinese-looking decorations and ropes hanging off it. But he's wearing the MK3 pants and arms. And I think there's concept art for that costume, too. And obviously they didn't go that way because they decided that they wanted something more realistic, like, you know, baggy camo pants and a beret. You know, I wouldn't necessarily have gone with the MK3 look with the Chinese vest as a costume, but it is more interesting like it doesn't really speak to his character but it's flashy so i mean he's he's wearing this and he's got shitty moves and it's so much a downer but on the other hand like he does have a story in deadly alliance sonya's story in deadly alliance is that uh she sent kenshi on an oia mission to spy in outworld and lost contact with kenshi like, he basically took the earpiece out, threw it away, and went off on his vendetta to kill Shang Tsung. And she's like, well, Kenshi's lost in Outworld. Cyrax, go get him. And so Cyrax goes into Outworld. 
And Cyrax runs into Natara and Reptile and gets his uh, communicator and portal device broken. And so Sonya loses contact with Cyrax. And she's like, well, fuck. Now I gotta go get them both. <laughs> and that's why she goes with Raiden to fight the Deadly Alliance. Because she's like, well, if we're going to Outworld anyway, then while I'm there, I can look for Kenshi and Cyrax. No personal stakes at all. She doesn't even know Kano's alive. She doesn't know Kano's in this game. So she's like in the spot Jax was in in MK2. She's going to Outworld to rescue her partner. Jax has the vendetta this time. Because Su Hao, who, as I said, has been working with the Special Forces since before MK1 and was invited to join the OIA, Su Hao blows up the base because he's a red dragon mole. <laughs> It was probably about time. So the reason Suha blew up the base was to destroy their portal tech so they couldn't go into Outworld and fight the Deadly Alliance. But then Raiden shows up and he's like, hey, I know where other portals are. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but when you blow up a special forces base, you kill all the soldiers inside. And those are Jax's men. And so he's real upset. Now, pure headcanon for a moment here. This is not in the games. This is me saying what I wish they had said. So you remember in Special Forces, there was a, a contact on the radio who Jax would talk to. Of course, that was Gemini, his contact. And they had kind of a flirty thing going on. You could say Gemini died when the base blew up. You could. I don't know. Make it a little more personal. I'd like them to acknowledge that Gemini still exists. As more than a consumable. So my my wish, I mean, obviously, uh, MK11 has this whole uh, lore of its own for how Jax met Jackie's mom, that uh, she was a, a nurse who uh, helped him through rehabilitation when he came back from the dead with PTSD and everything. I wish Jackie's mom was Gemini. So do I. Way more fucking interesting. Yeah, there's always been a few things out of Special Forces I wish were carried forward. Especially, especially because now Eleven says Jackie was born after Jax came back from the dead. That's kind of a retcon. It's hinted in MKX that Jackie was already alive when her dad died and came back. That she actually saw the difference between how he was then when she was like a little kid and how haunted he was when he came back from being in hell. Would make more sense if her mom was Gemini. Just might. So that's just, I'm just throwing that out there. So the base, Suhao blew it up. So Jax is real angry at him, goes into Outworld. Yeah, I'll help you fight the Deadly Alliance. And while I'm there, I'll get that motherfucker. <laughs> and he does. He canonically gets that motherfucker. At the front gate of the Deadly Alliance's palace, he runs into Suhao and rips his cybernetic heart out. Suhao got got. <laughs> and that is what you get it is what you get it's a it's a pretty brutal method of offing the guy yeah and it it so it sets up the angry black man thing that he has going on in unchained i think speaking of unfortunate stereotypes yeah. because because that's kind of where we have to go next uh so after after Jax kills suhao they all march on the Deadly Alliance's castle. And most of them, Jax included, are murdered by an army of Tarkatans. 
and then very shortly after that brought right back to life by onaga mind control to serve him so in in deception there's a a prototype version of the revenant storyline happening and uh for my mileage it was just as stupid in deception as it is in nine if you're going to bring people back in the same game you killed them if you're going to kill them in the backstory to the game and bring them back in the backstory to the game don't kill them have them just knocked on fucking conscious <sighs> trying to make death into a thing am i right Onaga could still mind control them. He doesn't have to be a necromancer. Hey, uh, at least Barakas Tarkatan's got some kills in, eh? You could kill, like... You could have Baraka himself gut one specific guy. You don't need five people to die in backstory and be resurrected in backstory of the same game. Like, the whole thing happens off-screen. That's... I know. Disappointing. But at least in 9 it happened on screen. I guess. It's just, it's so stupid to... Just have them be unconscious! Why is that so hard? Group kills. The easiest way to bolster your bad guy. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I also hate Jax using Tonfas. When he's got metal Yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Yes, he did. I mean, he had a spiked club in four. <laughs> Literal medieval stone club. <laughs> At least the tonfa is kind of a military weapon. Like there, there's they were steel billy clubs, basically. It is, but if you're gonna do this, why not make it like an extension of the arm itself or something? So, like, you remember how in three he could turn his arms into T one thousand blades, right? Yeah. They could have had, like, extendable blades like Baraka come out of his... Like, Baraka wasn't in Deadly Alliance. And DA already has a habit of, like, giving people other people's weapons. Lee May had the size. Tonfa's should really be Striker's thing. I don't think that maybe he'd be better off at, like, the arms worked like Iron Man's extremis armor. They can just yeah, kind of, like, that. amp them up or, like, armor them up whenever he wants, like Colossus or something. That would be something, yeah. The image of armor in pop culture since the Iron Man and MCU movies has advanced a great deal. I think Jax could benefit from some of that. Certainly. Weapon. Using weapons when your arms are already weapons, man. Anyway. Jax spends Deception Vanilla not in the game because he's one of Onaga's mind-controlled bodyguards. In, in Ermac's ending... Uh, the ghost of Liu Kang shows up to help Ermac uh, free them all from the mind control. And then they all join Shujinko's big disco party of give me all your powers so I can kill Onaga. And that's canon. But then uh, Deception Unchained for the PSP came out and Jax was made playable. And in Jax's arcade ending, which is the non-canon version of things, because the Shujinko and Nightwolf ones happen instead, uh, it's it's real fucking simple. It's just when when Jax is freed from my control, he's so angry that it makes him the strongest guy. And the picture of him killing Onaga is him stabbing Onaga in the eye 
with the Netherrealm Kami Dogu. <laughs> Seriously. And Shujinko's like, where he got all this anger from, I cannot say. I yeah, don't like, no. The text really pushes the whole rage powers thing. Like, the idea that Jax has unlocked the ability of being an angry black man. <laughs> It's it's like he's so angry it's a superpower. It literally says that. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, keep in mind, like, Scorpion is already in the game. We've got the his, angry uh, guy. Jax is angrier than Scorpion? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Now, that's that's pretty fucking unlikely. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so they did nothing with the idea of the rage powers at Armageddon. That did not come back. Jax's story in Armageddon is that uh, when everybody gets home, uh, apparently the OIA uh, changes into like an Earth realm wide, like an international special forces. They they literally change the name to the Earth realm special forces. And they have some kind of uh, charter or treaty called the Earthrealm Accords. And when people violate it, that's when they go after them. So so that's they go after Sector's Tekunin clan because they're uh, flying around in airships conquering countries like Japan. Indeed, they assimilated Japan. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, according to... Uh, I think it's... Was it Sonya that got a bio? It is. Yeah, so according to Sonya's bio in Armageddon, what happened is, after the chapter of uh, Taven's Conquest, where he fights uh, Sector in the airship and the airship crashes, uh, Jax was in charge of the uh, Special Forces mission to, like, investigate the airship crash and salvage parts and find, like, intel and... Whatever. He he led a ground team to look for survivors. Yeah, so uh he went missing on that mission. And and so Sonia is trying to find him when uh she gets the call from Johnny Cage and Fujin that hey, this thing with the pyramid is happening and Armageddon and everybody go fight. Uh and she's like, Well, I'm gonna go there and all, along the way I'm gonna be looking for Jax. And what you find out in uh, Jax's arcade ending is that Sector had kidnapped him and hacked into the, the chip in his brain that he uses to control his arms. So he has like a Dr. Octopus thing going on. And I guess that makes sense because he always had like in MK3, he had metal shoulder blades too. Like the, the arm apparatus went all the way back to his spine. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. So Sector hacked into that to, like, take control of Jax and was, like, using him as a minion. In Jax's ending, he gets free from the control when he gets Blaze's power, and I think he frees all the other cyber ninjas or something like that from being cyber? What it says is he defeats Sector and claims leadership of the Takunin. It is okay. unknown if he will ever return to the Special Forces. That's oh, it. right. They they made it like this ambiguous thing that maybe he's like a, a shady cyber ninja guy now. Yeah, we were going to get cyber jacks if things kept on going that way. Yeah. Sonya's bio also says that like while she's searching for him, she's reading that his brainwaves are abnormal. 
his life signs are stronger, but the rings aren't right. Right. So it was it was definitely meant to be canon that Sector did take control of him. Yeah. And then everybody died in Armageddon and the series rebooted, so whatever. But up up but up uh reboots. Bingo. So I I don't know, I kinda like the idea of like It was a direction, you know? Yeah, it like it gave Jack something to do to to like have him or to have the special forces versus the Tekunin instead of always after the dragon gangs. They were clearly floundering with somewhere to take him. And I think that they finally yeah. locked on to something. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the idea of, like... It had potential. I mean, the, the, the unfortunate thing about it is he had just been a mind-controlled minion of a bad guy in Deception. And then yeah, he's a mind-controlled it's... minion of a bad guy again in Armageddon. Like, it's two games in a row. It's a problem. Like I said, they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. But I do, I do kind of like the idea of Sector trying to go after Jax because he's another guy who uses Bionic. It's a logical entry point, a weakness that Sector can exploit. Why yeah, not? and it does kind of expose a, a problem where... Okay, so I really, really prefer Cyrax to be in the Special Forces over all the stuff they've done with him in the new timeline. Like, I think Cyrax works best when he's hanging out with Sony and Jax. But him and Jax are almost the same character in a few too many ways, which I don't know what you do about that. Like, I don't know how you have your cake and eat it too there. Because I just, I really don't like the the current version of Cyrax as like kind of a, a spiritual guy who would join the monks if he wasn't Lin Kuei. That's, That's an angle, but it's also very fucking out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see a, a robot monk, man. That's dumb. <laughs> and especially, like, Cyrax is the one guy in the whole Lin Kuei clan who doesn't have powers. <laughs> so when he's walking around MK9 story mode talking about chi and instincts and how that's why he doesn't want to be a cyber, it's like, shut the fuck up, you use a buzzsaw already. I don't know, it bothers me. <laughs> As well it should. But MKDC? Yeah, I think yeah, that maybe just a little if bit. If we're going to talk oh. about uh, Special Forces itself, we should uh, probably cover that here more than anywhere else. Well, Special Forces is a funny thing, because we've talked before on the show about what the original plan was, right? I think so, yes. Like, I, think, I think the viewers have heard us talk about that. Like, how it was going to be uh, the actual origin of how Sonya's partner died and how Kano lost right. his eye. And the whole plot was actually about uh, the Black Dragons stole a nuke, and that's why the Special Forces were on them in the first place. And that the nuke was going to be sold to uh, some kind of um, mad scientist character that Tobias was working on that we don't know anything more about. And that the scientist was actually building the first techno portal, and that the game would kind of cross over into Sonya disappearing to Shang Tsung's island and end on Jack's going to Outworld in MK2. Like the the final boss fight of Special Forces was supposed to be Jax versus Goro. Like Jax comes to Outworld and and as he's on Sonya and Kano's trail he finds where Goro has gone into hiding. Because if you remember, 
uh, in the comic books that Tobias did, Sonya, Kano, and Goro were all fighting when the island collapsed, and so they all got trapped in Outworld together. Right. And they all arrived in the Living Forest. And so Goro ran off and went into hiding and pretended to be dead because he was so ashamed that he had lost the tournament, that he didn't want to face his people. The Shokan guards come looking for him because they know this is where anybody who survived the island would have ended up. And they find Sonya and Kano, but they don't find Goro, so they assume Goro's dead. So Jax would have followed the same trail, and the end of the game would have been him finding out where Goro was hiding and fighting Goro, and then going off to the MK2 tournament. But the game we got is uh, a completely non-canon story with no context that's just... Kano broke his gang out of jail. I don't know when this is happening or why they were in jail, but yeah, they broke out. Go get them. And then it ends up having to do with a, a magic gem called the Eye of Shitian. So Kano has stolen this gem and it opens portals to Outworld. And Jax follows him to get the gem back and beats him in the final boss fight, takes the gem and goes home and never really realizes that he was in another dimension or what any of that means. So, like, Special Forces has no story to be canon, so it's not canon. <laughs> but characters who are introduced in it do count. Like, Tremor is obviously real, and Tazia is obviously real because they've shown up in other things now. And if those two are real, no face is real. Indeed. Uh, so... The only really interesting thing I would say about the special forces we got is that Tremor is obviously uh, the the series' first attempt to give Jax a rival, because obviously they're both the big strong guy with the earthquake punch. It was as simple as that. Yeah, and it's it's real shallow, and I feel like you could make more of it if you wanted to, and I feel like Jax deserves at least one real villain of his own, instead of always, you know, standing by at the side while Sonya fights Kano, you know? And I think Tremor is a good villain for him, and I also think Su Hao is a good villain for him. Like, I think that character works. He got the raw deal in Deadly Alliance because the game sucked. You could totally do a badass redesign of Su Hao where you don't even change that much. You just, like, give him... So we have some fan art on our Discord that Smoke Man commissioned. His outfit is designed to look even more like a Chinese military member. And he's got a big green trench coat to go with it with a Dark Knight Rises Bane-style fluffy collar. And I think that looks really cool. You know, you get Likewise. rid of the bulky bandolier thing that's holding his heart piece on. And you, you take that plate off his bicep and make it a shoulder pad. It all works so much better. Like, he looks cool for once. <laughs> yeah, I just brought up Special Forces because you figure, you know, if we're going to talk about it at any point. Yeah. I would think that now would be the time. Yeah, and I mean, the idea of what we could have had, what Tobias intended, where we follow Jax from before MK1 to the start of MK2 like that. And Sonya would have had her own missions too. Like, I... I think the lore could actually, like, really use a Mortal Kombat mythology's Sonya and Jax, you know? Isn't gonna happen now. Yeah, it, it got screwed in production. But yeah, so, so versus DC. Uh, 
So that's the second worst he's ever looked. Yeah, well, they did the... <laughs> His design in that game is obviously based on a real person. Like, they, they probably had a model. Yeah, but I hate it. Whoever they got looks so different from past Jax's. Like, it just doesn't look like the guy, man. He's got this really round baby head. He's head he's got so kind round. of puffy chipmunk cheeks. Uh, I don't want to be like if this is based on a real guy. I don't want to be insulting. I'm just he doesn't look like Jax used to look. That's all. It's just a straight up completely different head. You know, you can't just cast any black guy to play the black guy character. That's like saying all black guys look alike, right? Pretty they don't. Well. <laughs> Ugh, it's like. You know when you pause the movie at a certain point, it's like, hey, that's the stuntman. Yeah. What's going on here? Also, Jax's Jack's, costume is kind of weird in Versus DC. Cause... It's, yeah, it's shitty. So it's they totally slimmed shitty. down the arms. They look like he's got he's got the MK3 arms as like an underlayer, but then there's bulky Deadly Alliance style plates over top of it. It's thinner than Deadly Alliance. It looks like they're trying to combine the two designs. I don't, I don't know that it worked very well, going but... going on here, but, like... It is better than Deadly Alliance, a little bit. Not by much. Like, the angles that his chest plate is going at are all odd. Like, his entire it's, chest yeah. looks like an oval. It's like a bulletproof vest, but, like, a really thinly padded one. It's, like, more style than substance. It's got these yellow Tron stripes on it. Like, they keep changing his color scheme. <laughs> the things I like about it are, like, little Special Forces logo over his right breastplate. The yeah, that's okay. Uh, I just... Pouches. That's about it. Doesn't he have... He has, like, olive green pants, doesn't he? He does, and his knee pads have, like, a couple of weird segments. He's got four buckles on his boots. Yeah, so he's got, he's got like, the, the typical army drab pants. And then he's got this black and yellow breastplate thing. And it's just, I wish they'd pick a color for Jax, you know? Like, what? His belt buckle is oddly orange, and he's got really oddly tiny hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, I hate it all so much. <sighs> yeah, I just, it's... They tried a thing, and it didn't work. I think I like it slightly better than Deadly Alliance overall, because at least, like, he doesn't look like a Sharpay dog in a red beret. <laughs> it looks better in-game, I'll give it that. Yeah. The renders yeah. The other thing is, like, Versus DC was a big deal if you're a Jax fan because he finally got his fucking moves back. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, he's also wearing dog tags. Yeah, yeah, the, him and Sonya got dog tags in that game for the first time. So, there was one thing I really liked in story mode. Uh, there's a moment where... So he still has the machine gun move from Deadly Lions. And there's there's a cutscene where he's shooting the, the machine gun at Wonder Woman. And she's blocking it with the bracers. And so obviously it isn't the gun is worthless against her. And she goes, real warriors don't use guns. And he's like, all right, and tosses it aside. And then in the fight that follows, you, can't you don't have access to the gun move. <laughs> <laughs> and... They very rarely do that. Like, there's a part in Eleven where Sonya doesn't have her rings because they Kano took her wristbands. But most of the time, they never do anything like that. And I think it's a cool idea, like, to actually acknowledge, hey, some of these characters use tools, and those tools can be taken away from them. <laughs> like, the interactivity level is a little bit more in that situation than it is in a regular fight. 
we're playing a video game here. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, story-wise, story-wise, MK versus DC is in this weird spot where it's a hybrid greatest hits game. So, for example, uh, Sub-Zero's costume design is clearly taken from Deadly Alliance. Like, his scar is blue, arms are frozen, but his story is that he's still with the Lin Kuei, like, as of MK2. Like, the Cyber Initiative hasn't happened yet, and it's hinted it's going to happen in his arcade ending. You see the Lin Kuei Temple? And it's the 3D era one, because it's at the North Pole across the street from the Fortress of Solitude. And the story of that Lin Kuei temple is that it's the second temple. Uh, Sub-Zero moved the clan to that temple when he took over because Sector knew where the original was, and he wanted a secret or bait. So it's this weird hodgepodge of different games. And in Sony and Jax's case, uh, this means that the OIA exists, even though everything else going on is kind of MK2. They have their techno portal, and they use it quite a bit in story mode. And again, they make a point of like, yo, Jax built this, and he's the one who knows how to work it. And that's kind of all he does in story, is once again, he's the tech guy who built the portal thing. <laughs> so what you're saying is that he was essentially just kind of being Lieutenant Miles O'Brien at the transporter console. Kind of like an MKDA. I, I guess more or less. Like, there's there's a couple chapters where uh, somebody you know, breaks into the special forces base from the, from the DC universe because they're looking to free somebody who Sonya captured or they're looking to use the portal. And Jax is always the guy who's like, Hey, you can't be here and stops them and beats them up. Right. <laughs> That's his role in the game. I feel like he's only in because he's the most famous black guy, almost the only black guy in the MK universe. Look, that's a problem. It is. They need to do something about, like, making sure to remember, look, Jax is more than just the black guy. He has a personality, and he does things. It matters. That's the thing, it like, should. I, I like Jax a lot. I, I mean, I love him. But I don't want him to show up simply because people feel like he has to be there to fill a quota, you know? I mean, you talk to people these days like after 9x and 11, a lot of people want Jax to start sitting out games. They're tired of seeing him over and over again. And it's ironic because Jax is the best he's been, both gameplay and story, in X and 11. Yeah. And it's it's just people are just sick of seeing him because he keeps coming back. And there's a perception that the only reason he's in games is because he's the black guy. And I look, I really like Jax. Jax is in my top 10 favorite characters, no joke. A lot of that has to do with his professional wrestling special moves. But I also, I just really like the idea of this army guy being like smart and calm and an engineer. Like he's not just hoorah marine beat you up strongman. I really yeah. like that Jax is one of the calm and measured characters of the MK universe. He's fleshed out. He always was. Yeah. It's not like he's underdeveloped, it's that they don't use it. He never really got that on-screen development until recent games. And, you know, it kind of hurts Jax a little bit that people really kind of aren't attaching to Jackie as much as they could. This is two games in a row of her just not hitting the mark for what people want in a character. 
and and going why are Jax and Jackie both in the same game they do the same stuff so that's hurting him and that's not fair and i just i wish there was some way to make Jax uh, cool to people without necessarily having to have him sit out because i like him and i like having him around i don't think Jax has anything to prove he's a great character i know i just it's it's not but- it's fatigue. It's the same thing that a lot of people feel about Kung Lao or Sonya. It is, it is fatigue, but... Uh, of course, some of that is, in Jax's case, some of the usual good old country fried home racism, and to which I say, you know, fuck you, be better. You know, it's weird. Like, people never get fatigued of Noob Saibot, and he's in almost every game. Ah, uh, wasn't in X. X wasn't is the only re- game Bihan's not in. We've talked about this. Wasn't in Deadly Alliance. I know he's that in the per- Game Boy version of Deadly Alliance. No one like, bought that in thing, every though. release of every game? No one bought that thing. Yeah, but he's, he's like, canonically in the final version of every game. Yeah, but for most people, canonically doesn't... Yeah. You know. But you, you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I get it, but... I, there are characters... Like, Raiden's in every game. People get tired of Raiden, too. Or Ultimate MK3, and that's the only time... Like, Scorpion, the only time he's ever sat out was mk3 and and personally i'm fucking sick of raiden i'm ready for fujin to become permanently the protector of earth i've been ready since mk4 (laughs) and look i we can talk about ways to fix raiden i can think of several i can't really think of a way to fix Jax because for me there's nothing wrong with Jax. it's just other people are sick of him and that's i don't know but you can have like a perfectly fleshed out character who's a stone cold classic, but if he's in twenty five games straight, you're gonna want to break from him at some point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't need Noob Saibot back in MK twelve. I think part of what bums me out about it is that um, Jax is the only grappler MK has whose grapples I like. Like they've they've done many grapplers, and when Jax sits out a game, they will replace him with another grappler. But Jax is the only grappler who I think grapples in a cool way. So I I have no faith for them to design a replacement for Jax who will have that the magic of what I like about Jax. It's because as a grappler, he wasn't designed from the same mold that other people like Zangi for Honda or T-Hawk were. Like, yeah, no, like... His is like MK grappling where... His throws and whatnot, they're either command-based, or they're just off of a normal throw. They're variations on something. He has more in common with, like, the likes of Tekken characters than he does Yeah, Tekken. Yeah, like, Jax is the king. Pretty much. Like, king from Tekken. That's what Jax's playstyle is like, and that's why he's so cool. Because you look at other MK grapplers, like uh, Goro, Inax, um, Ferator... It's always a big dumb guy who just kind of grabs you and swings you around. There's no there's no technique. There's no uh professional wrestling to it. Jax Jax will give you a power bomb and that's rad. <laughs> you think that they squirt off Jax against Lex Luthor and MKDC because they're both bald geniuses who also wore suits of metal? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I think that's exactly why. Thank you. Not alone on that then. Good.
So his, his MKDC um, ending, he basically just becomes Cyborg? Yes, yes, he just becomes Cyborg from the Teen Titans. That's all there is to it. It's literally, like, that was that was a an ongoing theme in the endings of Versus DCU. They kept trying to find parallels Sub-Zero between characters from Batman. one universe and characters from the other. And it's, they kept trying to pair people off in fights in story mode, too. Like, you said, Jax versus Luthor. It's like, hey, two bald tech guys, whatever. <laughs> this is the best we can think of. So, yeah, so, like, in the endings, uh... Fucking Sonya becomes Kano a green comes, Heath Ledger Joker. Uh, Catwoman gets an animality. <laughs> Jax becomes cyborg. <laughs> Liu Kang becomes Shazam. <laughs> he only needs to shout Mortal Kombat. Uh, Wonder Woman's was one of my favorites because she doesn't specifically become a character. She becomes a collector of artifacts from the MK universe. She has. She has Ashra's sword, and she has the Deadly Alliance logo, the V Shield, which isn't an actual item in the lore. <laughs> and She's I think she real- might have Shinnok's amulet. <laughs> She's wielding the power of marketing. I feel like you could go further with that. Like she could have been wearing all the Kami Dogus on a necklace. <laughs> yeah, she actually she is wearing Shinnok's amulet on her belt. I thought so. It's hilarious. <laughs> So I guess that's it for the original timeline? Well, there's Shaolin Monks. Jax's part in Shaolin Monks is real, real tiny. Yeah. In which we discover exactly why Kano and Sonya's mechanisms are locked together. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, you literally... You run into Jax in the last level of the game, and he's wearing his MK3 outfit, but without the arms yet. Yeah. It's actually, like, a cool kind of military redesign of it, because he's got, like gun belts and he's there's like a pistol on his hip it's it looks more techy. i i kind of like it yeah it's pretty cool i wish they had taken after that outfit more when they uh you know redesigned the purple stripes outfit for say mk9 or story mode of mk11 i don't know it just it it feels like it's got it's got the purple stripes but it's also more grounded whereas i feel like the outfit he's wearing in 11 story mode is kind of it's got a lot of zigzaggy new 52 seams on the pants you know <laughs> he doesn't have the metal arms but there are no he has like these uh wristbands there are wristbands and there are like there's like there's like a, a bands yeah there, it's like strikers style gun holster like a police yeah. torso gun holster i guess but he's not wearing a shirt <laughs> it's very unusual the pants are baggy. I kind of like that, as opposed to, like, spandex. They look like pants. <laughs> it, it looks like a proper mix of, like, G.I. Joe tech and Special Forces tech. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. It's a little so, baggy, but it's not MKDC ugly. So, story-wise, you run into him in the last... in the very last level of the game. And it's you're down in the armory... And he tells you that Raiden brought him here and that he's been with Raiden the whole time, which is supposed to make you think, right, because Shang is pretending to be our Raiden and he's been leading us into a trap all game long. But Liu Kang and Kung Lao don't figure it out because they're dumb. (laughs) So dumb. And then Jax runs off and he's like, "Uh, I'll catch up later. I'm still looking for Sonya. And you do the rest of the armory level and you get to the uh, arena. 
you get to Khan's Coliseum and you can go straight ahead down a hall and fight the final boss battles. Or there's a side door, which you can totally miss. And if you do go down that door, you find the dungeon below the arena where Sonya and Kano are being held. And Jax is down there and meets up with you. And you and Jax fight Kano in a boss fight. He's like a he's like an AI helper. And when you win this boss fight, uh, Jax punches Kano so that he flies back onto the... Uh, the platform that raises and lowers that they were chained to like the prisoners and it raises up, but the, the ceiling is closed like where it would open into Shao Kahn's arena. So it just smashes Kano and comes back down and he's a bloody mess and his head falls off. And so uh, Kano dies. Hooray! And then, and then Jax opens a portal with technology that should not exist yet. <laughs> And take Sonya home. <laughs> I also have to point out that that fight against Kano was really fucking irritating. Yeah, it was not easy. Motherfucker was always cannonballing around. Yeah, the, I mean, that's that's a consistent thing with Kano AI. He's always doing the fucking cannonball, even in the fighting game. I expect him to, but... I mean, it is, it is his thing. He does. I'm not complaining that he cannonballs. I'm complaining that he uses it too fucking much. <laughs> Okay, so that is all of the original series. That's all the jacks of the uh, of the old timeline. So that's our session for tonight. A last little note as I leave you. I sit here in post-production. It is the 22nd of August. I recognize that it's been quite some time since the last one, due to various extenuating circumstances. And it also occurs to me that Razor and I signed off while recording and didn't really record a proper see you next time. So, in the spirit of this show, I thought I'd leave you with a sample. Something hopefully poignant that should leave you happy. Or at least amused. Ready, Razor? Here we go. Gosh, I'd like to try to get these out more often. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. You and me both. See you here for part two.